echoey room we are in the largest room we've ever been in right yeah. now and have you ever been to carlsbad caverns because that's, <laughs> that's where we're recording this started as a punishment but we kind of like it <laughs> what you just heard was a recording from our visit at the breakfast club before we recorded what you're about to hear it's a little bit of the introductions and the song that they sing which i don't know if it's a uh, you know legal to release that to the public but you have it now and now you're all members yeah and now you're all coming in crimes by listening to it so welcome aboard <laughs> yeah. i hope you like pirates because you're all digital <laughs> pirates at this point uh vasty matey the <laughs> e, uh, scurvy did i do it did er er scurvy <laughs> i find that you know i listen to the their podcast but i'll talk about none of these things will equal what it's like to actually go to a breakfast club yeah. meeting you like get snippets of ideas of it but like yeah you gotta go yeah yeah you gotta go i said it in the interview but the two times i've been there uh, you've been there four times you've made that very clear you have you have have a life without me i know i get it (laughs) since it's at it's at seven in the morning and it's so weird and the things that are happening are so strange i'm not sure where in, in what reality i'm at during certain parts of this ceremony it is very dreamlike because you and i listen to so much bill haley and ella fitzgerald so we walk in like there's people and they're nice to us and they're giving us eggs and yeah. ella fitzgerald's playing out. yeah maybe i should wake up now and go to the breakfast club <laughs> yeah this isn't the life i lead how did i get here and, and i'm in the room that i had my uh, winter ball in and it's nothing makes sense yeah greg had his winter my winter formal in the friendship auditorium yeah and i spend most of it in the kitchen with edric tam so that's what i do as we do as we t- as one does in high as school is tradition at the winter cotillion to <laughs> be in the kitchen with edric someone's in the kitchen with edric all right so we should preface this by saying that this is that th- this was one of the field trips that we always wanted to do mm-hmm, and it's a place that we like so much and they were so they're always so nice to us and they've been so cooperative with all of this i can't promote them enough mm-hmm. this place i think it's great i tell a lot of people about their podcast which i'm a huge fan of yeah they, well they their podcast is Los Angeles Breakfast Club on, on the, the air. air. It's hosted by the two people we're going to talk to, mm-hmm. which are Phil Ernest and Lily Holloman. Two perfect people. Yes, two, <laughs> two perfect people. Aside from us, <laughs> two perfect people. Who'd have thought there could be four perfect people in this world? But And they're in one room at once and, uh, you know, magic yeah. happened. The UN didn't try to stop this. <laughs> Listen to that podcast. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, he interviews some club members and they give their, their stories and then he'll play archival footage from other Breakfast Club meetings and stuff. It has the same feel as uh going to the meetings and stuff yeah. and like what they're all about which is like a club of friendship yeah well the breakfast club is not something a lot of people know about so we won't say too much about what it is because they try to explain it yes. best in the interview yeah they do better. um also follow them on facebook follow them on twitter and instagram at la breakfast club and go to their things yeah go, every wednesday
Wednesday morning. You'll hear, but every Wednesday morning, they're there. They're there. And they have great food in the morning, and I drink like eight cups of coffee because I get <laughs> yeah. nervous when I'm around people. Yeah, and it so. makes me nervous when you drink that much coffee. And I am hopped up until at least two o'clock, <laughs> and then I just tank hard. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm running to the bathroom right <laughs> after this ceremony's over. Big fan of those bathrooms, aren't you? I do like the bathrooms. You do like they the- have like a huge industrial fan in the bathroom. It's great. Some of my favorite days are when you come back politely and you sit down and you're like, I like the bathroom here because, and you just list reasons. I'm like, okay, great. Lysol smell. There's lots of stalls. No one knows which one I'm in. There's a Murphy bed in there. <laughs> also, we want to mention that the since we recorded this a few weeks ago, the cat Fuzz Aldrin is doing very well. Yeah. Very healthy. Did we say in the episode what happened? Yeah, he, he pops out of a bag. It's... <laughs> You'll see. It'll all make sense. It'll all make sense in about 20 these, minutes. Yeah, these uh, these Easter eggs will, will hatch. Do Easter eggs hatch? Probably not. Yeah, they do. And they're filled with a reptile that got into the bird's nest, kicked the bird's eggs out, and had the bird raise its own babies. That's what these are. Um, also, at the end of the episode, because they have a lot of history, and we asked for some of their historical recordings from their archives, yeah. and they sent us a little compilation. So stick around after the interview yes. to listen to that also. Uh, as for us, Twitter, Instagram, the Facebook. AllieMeekly.tumblr.com, which is our home base. It has an archive of all our episodes. It's po- you see our posts and pictures for yeah. every Leave a review on iTunes, yes, some or stars, some or something like that. Stars. If you want to be uh, the subject of a field trip episode or know someone who should be, send us an email, la.meekly at gmail.com. We will answer any and several, but not all emails. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Hey, have a good time. Hey, have a good time. Hey, good morning. It's time for the Breakfast Club. Don't you forget about me. me. And don't forget to listen to the rest of the podcast. All right, we're done. Bye. You can't see, but I'm raising my fist in the air as I walk across the lawn. We can see. see Who are you and how long have you lived in L.A.? Oh, well, my name is Lily Holloman, born Lillian Sillers Holloman. Mm-hmm. I've been in Los Angeles 13 years now, and that's the end of my answer. <laughs> Who am I and how long have <laughs> I been in L.A.? None of your business and none of your business. That <laughs> said, <laughs> I am Phil Lairness, and I have been a hood ornament for Southern California since 1986. I was one of the lucky ones who escaped Silicon Valley by hot air balloon in the mid-80s. I want to mention that his reference hood ornament is actually in reference to the Griffith Observatory, which I didn't know for many, many years until the observatory came here and told us that was their nickname. They don't know where here is yet. They haven't gotten to that question. But this is the point where we say, thank God for editing. (laughs) Where are we? We are at the Los Angeles Breakfast Club, the democracy of ham and eggs, the shrine of friendship, which has been in Los Feliz since 1925. We are on the very land where the original clubhouse was built on the Breakfast Club stables. It used to be a horseback riding club. Uh, All the big businessmen of the 20s would ride their horses through Griffith Park, and they decided to have breakfast one Wednesday morning around the campfire. They enjoyed it so much, they got um, one of their friends to stand up and tell stories, and that inspired purchasing this land, making it stables, building the Garden of Friendship, the clubhouse. Uh, Maurice Dumond was the head of it. He spearheaded this whole thing, and um, we've been here ever since. 
Sort of, with a few detours along the way. Yeah, this is the fourth clubhouse, the third in Los Feliz, uh, three different locations. For a brief period of time, uh, the the club relocated uh, during the Depression before it was able to build a new clubhouse over on Los Feliz Boulevard, uh, just on the Glendale side, and then came back here. But Lily did a, a, such a thorough job <laughs> of explaining where we are that all I really have to add is that we are also... Conveniently located somewhere between the summit of man's knowledge and the pit of his fears. <laughs> that's from The Shining, right? No, that's the Twilight Zone. That's the introdu- <laughs> introduction of the Twilight Zone. The summit of man's knowledge and the pit of his fears, somewhere between there. And yet, I think it is an apt description of The Breakfast Club because The Breakfast Club, if it did not exist in the real world, it would exist in some <laughs> corner of the Twilight Zone. The most hospitable corner of the twilight zone (laughs) from the two times i've been here i'm not when some things happen i'm not quite sure like am i still dreaming or is this is this just the most interesting place described (laughs) as a prairie home companion as directed by david lynch yeah i think that's perfect perfect. that's perfect i think so too i love that description Although we have to change the name of that now. Uh, never. I never will. <laughs> I'm a prairie head till death. <laughs> uh, it's convenient that you reference the Twilight Zone because you guys meet at Twilight every Wednesday. Uh, oh. Ooh. Like that. Speaking of you? excellent segues. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to talk about the Twilight Zone. <laughs> so what do you do here? Oh, my gosh. Well, it's hard to describe, really. <laughs> well, we expect you to get here at 7 a.m. sharp mm-hmm. to um, put on a name tag. Do you mean what does one do? here or what does she specifically do i want to hear both yeah okay (laughs) at the same time Um, you get your buffet breakfast which is delicious and you find a seat next to a hospitable individual (laughs) you eat your breakfast and then a series of rituals which have been around since the 20s very tongue-in-cheek crazy kind of breakfast rituals involving a secret handshake that mimics Flipping eggs, uh, pledge allegiance, sing-alongs about ham and eggs. It's, there's a cryptogram that we say. There's The club itself was kind of designed to make fun of clubs of the day. Mm-hmm. So it has a great kind of throwback sense of humor yeah. in its rituals. And what else do we do? Calisthenics? Well, I think, <laughs> I think you come here, you meet people, you make friends, you have good conversation, you learn about the city in which we all live, you engage more deeply in, in your love of the city, you become more actively involved in the city, and, and all while never being allowed to take yourself seriously for a moment. Yeah. 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 So after our kind of set rituals every week, we have a different speaker or entertainer every week. This week we had the La Crescenta High School robotics team that brought in their robot. Next week we're going to have an author of a book called Eat Like Walt, and she's exploring the Walt Disney taste palette across the world. It has been suggested to me by members. This is not a joke. Uh, I'll tell a joke to you all later so you can tell the difference. (laughs) It has been suggested to me by members that we follow up on the robotics presentation today because they brought a robot, for crying out loud, that um, we bring back the mini therapy horse that visited us and a a winner-takes-all prize fight between the (laughs) robot and the mini therapy horse. I mean, who would you bet? Would you bet that the, 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 the therapy horse would win? Would you bet that the robot would win? Either way, 
the Breakfast Club wins. That's the important thing. I was really disappointed. I asked them if they had an arch rival robotics team, and they were very <laughs> yeah. kumbaya about yeah, they, it. Yeah, like everybody. I was hoping it would be this, you know, very intense winner takes all kind of competitive edge with robotics. I'm sure this won't make your podcast, but uh, <laughs> it, unless I'm mistaken, there was like a 13-year-old boy who expressed gratitude to this program for giving him something to dedicate his life to. <laughs> He's dedicating his life to things at 13. I started asking that question at 40. What should I dedicate my life to? And it's the breakfast club. I was hoping a rival robot was going to roll in yes. when you asked that question. And I had a human heart for yeah. some reason. I mean, at least the holiday Hollywood version, there would be our tribal, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. I think there's a movie in there. One robot with blood stains all over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. The second part of your question is, what do I do? Yeah. I am the president and board chair of the Los Angeles Breakfast Club. Normally, those would be inhabited by two people, but I disco- discovered the club in 2013. And it had dwindled to a handful of people. And so it was kind of, there was an emergency takeover that (laughs) needed to happen. Yeah, Um, (laughs) yeah, they really weren't sure how to get the word out, how to get more people. I fell in love with what I described to you uh, earlier with these crazy rituals and the live pianist, Don Mm -hmm. Snyder, who I didn't mention before, and this space which is full of so much history and you can feel old Hollywood here as we enact this kind of magical bubble of a time warp every morning. I remember leaving my first meeting just literally like just head over heels. I was speechless. I was so thrilled to have found it. And as soon as I... <laughs> um, cat just the cat its just popped out of the bag. Out of right bag. <laughs> the cat is cat. literally out of the bag. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they immediately asked me to join the board. And I joined it. And I found out that they were soon to be closing their doors. They mm-hmm. didn't really know how to carry on. Yeah. So I said, stop people will love this. Let me get on social media. Let me get the word out. As soon as people who love this find out about this, it will be successful. So they were considering ending it? Oh, yeah. That's horrible. I know. They were so sad. It was awful. If I may say something about what Lily does, and it's so appropriate that uh, literally, yes, a cat came out of a bag at that point while she was talking. Our cat, Fuzz Aldrin, is with us uh, and heard Mommy's voice and uh, wanted to be with her. Fuzz has been very sick. Fuzz, uh, we were being told by doctors a few weeks ago, needed to be put to sleep, that uh, the, the prognosis was not good. But the thing about Lily is uh, when she uh, falls in love with something, no matter uh, how much on life support it is, <laughs> if she thinks that this thing deserves a chance to fight for survival, she is relentless and fierce and unflinching in her determination to give that object of her affection every chance to survive. She has done it with this cat, and this cat is uh, well on her way to full recovery, and she did that with the club. I wanted to be of assistance to Lily as much as possible in terms of helping her with this club that she had fallen in love with. Uh, For a long time, wanting to do anything to be of service did not involve getting up at seven in the morning (laughs) and coming here, nor did it involve becoming a member. Because honestly, now I can say this, uh, I was terrified of backing a losing cause. I've backed enough losing causes. (laughs) And uh, sometimes we protect ourselves uh, by not letting ourselves fall in love. 
right? And so it took a while before finally I had come as a guest enough and I, and, and I just said, okay, I'm all in. So now I serve on the board of directors. I'm the vice president of the club's charitable foundation. We give out several dozen grants to local uh, 501c3s mm-hmm. each year. I also produce and host a monthly podcast that explores the history and happenings and colorful personalities that make up The Breakfast Club. It's a show called The Los Angeles Breakfast Club on the air, and it's a throwback to when this club, for many decades, was a fixture on uh, national radio. Live. Live. Yeah, it was live on a KFWB motion picture radio, Ooh. and uh, it was a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour broadcast each week it was just the show broadcast it was the whole meeting <laughs> broadcast i saw a cat paw reach out and try to take the, uh, the, the microphone cat wants from to me. say a few words and it is and it is amazing because everything had to be timed out so perfectly mm, yeah. in the mornings because they were on the radio yeah. so you think about things uh, rituals that we still do to this day like the handshake line yeah they had 500 people here, <laughs> and they had to get that handshake line done during a commercial break. Wow. Uh, so they were really cracking a whip back then. And just to name drop some 1920s yeah, personalities, the Warner Brothers are responsible for putting it on the radio. They donated the radio time because they love the club so much for it to be broadcast. There's still a radio booth, an old-fashioned radio booth, in our space next to the stage. Yeah. Um, the on-the-air sign still glows every morning. Anybody who was anybody would come here back in the day. Will Rogers was one of the original hecklers, which we call <laughs> the roosters that still heckle uh, every no, morning. <laughs> um, we got Walt Disney came. Um, Charlie Chaplin came really? by. Amelia Earhart was here. Wow. Mary Pickford. Anyone who was anyone. Um, Calvin Coolidge. That was, the ghost. <laughs> that was the ghost of Mary Pickford. <laughs> was, like being mentioned. It was the leaders in, in business, politics, and entertainment. Uh, any name that uh, you can think of as, uh, think of basically any park beach or street sign in Los Angeles <laughs> that's named for someone like Doheny. Oh, I know him. He has a street name for him. Or uh, Leo Carrillo. Right. I love his beach. But all these people, Sheriff uh, Eugenio L. Biscalu, he that was Chevy a member. Chase Boulevard. Um, <laughs> she's from Chevy Chase, Maryland. Interesting <laughs> transition. Um, it was really uh, people, so many people also who would become major figures for founding industries that would shape the 20th century. But again, they it all just started because they all shared this love of horseback riding and they wanted a place to come together where they could just be friends and not worry about networking, yeah. not worry about business. So of course, not coincidentally, it very quickly became the best place to network <laughs> because you knew no one here was after anything yeah. from you. Yeah. They just were here to share camaraderie and it continued uh, for many many decades lily found one of my favorite stories is she found a a photo from the 1960s of ronald reagan who was then the sitting governor of california being inducted as a member of the club here there he is the governor of california sitting on uh, our old sawhorse ham with his hand in, our, in a plate of runny eggs blindfolded you saw the ritual today yeah. it was exactly the same for him the best part though is she found this photo on a website dedicated to exposing secret societies. <laughs> because to the conspiracy-minded uh, author of this website, this photo was proof that the Breakfast Club, <laughs> like the Bohemian Grove, <laughs> is dedicated to figuring out how the next hundred years are going to go. 
you've been here. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> you really got to watch out for the nurses at the yeah. table where you were sitting. Those ladies, <laughs> they just got back from Davos where they upstaged the president at the big billionaire conference. Is this not a branch of the Illuminati? <laughs> you know, it's actually is very specifically non-political and non-sectarian, which is such a perfect way to celebrate friendship because aren't those just the two things that tend to get in the way yeah. of a pure friendship is politics and religion and we're literally come here to celebrate friendship to backtrack for a second on what phil said when he refused to join in the beginning i was perfectly happy to have this club to myself <laughs> i mean if we could have just gone on with 13 people and me yeah. doing this every yeah. week i would have been fine uh it was like it was like discovering the lost city of Atlantis. It was my own personal secret yeah. every week. It was imperative that I bring in new people. And when I started to, I was a little disappointed, frankly, because <laughs> I had to share. What are you guys doing here? <laughs> no. But it, it's been fun. And uh, we got Erin Petrulis over here. She's, she's been in from the beginning. She saved the day, took over as our assistant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dr. Jim Whitney's exercises that keep her looking so young. We have one of our um, old-timer members leads us in calisthenics yep. every morning. And I don't know if you got this on tape, but the wiggle waggle and the arm exercises are everything. I, that's how I keep toned. I don't know about you. At what point, was it how it is now in 1925? Or was like, at what point did it become kind of what it is now? The rituals are the same. It, it's a little more casual because mm -hmm. if you listen to the old fashioned radio clips, everybody was so formal in the way they spoke all the time. You just off the cuff, it sounded written and they would pronounce los angeles los angeles i heard that yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah they were very specific they were honoring the spanish roots of the city well, i think those are major major differences it's almost <laughs> it's almost not the same club anymore <laughs> it's interesting if you had asked this question i think a couple years ago the 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 uh, answer might have been very different it at some point as i gather maybe in the 1980s especially as it uh then no longer was even on local radio but still was a, quite a popular organization, it basically segged into becoming kind of a club for retirees. Right. And when it founded, of course, it was all people who were very active. And when we say people who were very active, by the way, we need to point out men <laughs> who were very active because no women were allowed until sure. the early 80s. Really? That right? Long? Unless they were visiting. There were honorary members. She okay. mentioned Mary Pickford and uh, Amelia Earhart. <laughs> Even Are you feeding me these lines since you're not on microphone? Yeah, okay. But no, no, but there would be plenty of events for the women, but the meetings themselves were, it was a men's only club, uh, kind of a, a parallel to the Hollywood Women's Club, okay. which actually predates the, the Los Angeles Breakfast Club. So until the early 80s, women were not allowed as members, and then lo and behold, a woman president comes along to save things. But we're not going to get political. <laughs> so, uh, I was waiting anyway, for it. But, and so when Lily found it, it was still very much a club for retirees. Uh -huh. And But what is really interesting is as, as new members have come in and so many younger people have yeah. come in, it has become really age-wise such a diverse range. Yeah. 
And with uh, many of the young members, so too has a connection to Hollywood and entertainment come back into the club, which I think has restored some of the feel of, of, of what the club was. There was also another way I realized that uh, our, our piano player, who is, is one of only two piano players we've ever had mm. in the 92-year history of the club. <laughs> so you talk about job security, <laughs> right? He replaced the original piano player. He was telling me a couple years ago how when the club was really thriving, one of the things that was great about it was that if a speaker ended up not being able to make it for whatever reason, they were never worried because they could always just go to someone yeah. in the audience and <laughs> say, hey, will you come up and give a presentation about your work yeah. in blank? Ask yeah. Charlie Field. Chaplin if he wants to talk. <laughs> so uh, we've had two occasions over the last few months where speakers could not uh, attend and we're going to need to be rescheduled. And we've been able to have members come up and give full presentations about yeah. really interesting topics. Great. One was Bernard Herman. Uh, you know, he was not the member. He was the subject. <laughs> Steve Smith. My, uh, time good, my time frames were all mixed up. <laughs> good, good, good ham and egg Steve Smith, a documentary filmmaker. He wrote a book about Bernard Herrmann. And so he gave a lecture and a huh. presentation about Bernard Herrmann. And uh, Sandy Hemmerline gave a presentation uh, at the beginning of this year on the history of the Rose Parade. So uh, it's interesting that just a couple years ago we were reminiscing or a year ago we were reminiscing about the good old days when you could just fill in with uh, club members. Well, the good old days are are back yeah yeah everyone that got introduced or like inducted today their resume was so, like one uh, person bob worked, baker bob baker Theater was one hannah barbera someone worked yeah, for hannah hannah barbera. Barbera or something yeah yeah, everybody, yeah. everybody's it's, interested it's a really really diverse group of people in terms of where they come from and what they do yeah. and i love that it's not everybody in the entertainment industry that i can talk to people yeah. who live quote-unquote regular lives <laughs> <laughs> civilians is that what they call them <laughs> we wouldn't know <laughs> i never understood that anyway you mean the little people <laughs> and i don't i don't mean that pejoratively you know what i mean it's it's when you're on stage you look out there and they look very small and and what's wonderful about it is that when you're on stage the lights go down and they disappear <laughs> sure and then it's just that <laughs> as phil mentioned he uh, sits at the nurses table there's a group of nurses from Glendale Adventist adore adore talking to nurses that is a completely different life from an actress in yeah, LA yeah. and it's very <laughs> soothing to me for some reason I guess they're nurses I guess that's the <laughs> they, point that's their job yeah <laughs> same hours as actresses though 14 hours on the clock <laughs> yes exactly here's a good one what is oh, this boy. place's role in the city oh this place's role in the city Phil, you want to take this? <laughs> Historically, I would say the, the development of this club is inextricably linked with the development of the city as, as a major American city. Uh, you think about the fact that uh, it was really the 1920s when Los Angeles started to emerge from the shadow of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And this club was a major reason why. There was a, uh, I found, uh, and I'll be using some some material from it on next month's podcast but there was a newsreel uh that i found that uh, showed some footage from the breakfast club and even in that newsreel they felt the need to call it the hollywood breakfast club <laughs> because los angeles wasn't impressive yeah enough and so it's it's inextricably linked with with the development of the city and I would say that for many years, the function that this club served was as the funny bone to the city of Los Angeles. Mm. It helped that 
so many of our leaders, so many of our leading figures would uh, once a week be able to gather, be reminded not to take themselves seriously, to take the work that they have to do seriously, mm -hmm. to take their responsibility seriously, but never themselves. And it was therefore a really important place where rivals and enemies could come together and utilize one of the Breakfast Club's tools, the buried hatchet. <laughs> uh, there's a wonderful photo we have of uh, Harry Chandler, the publisher of the Los Angeles Times, shaking hands with William Randolph Hearst <laughs> here at the club. <laughs> and these men were not just rivals. Hearst, of course, uh, publisher of the rival Herald Examiner. Yeah. But, but they were not just rivals. They openly, actively, <laughs> and expressly hated each other. And yet here at the Breakfast Club, they were moved to again bury that hatchet, shake hands, right. and smile and laugh with That's each other, insane. and uh, that is no small thing. Yeah. Um, we say that the club is not uh, political, and it isn't in the sense that we don't get into discussions of policy. The tools that we actively use in the name of furthering friendship are tools that I do believe uh, politicians might be well advised to learn, <laughs> however. I would like to say also, um, inspired by the Chandler-Hurst conversation, is so many people move to this town as strong individuals. <laughs> and um, people are doing their own thing, they're forging their own paths, and that can lead to a feeling of isolation a lot and a lot of disparation and um, separateness. And so this place is a place to come together, to be community, to ground us in L.A. as a place, which is actually rare in Los Angeles. Yeah. If you think about it, there's not many opportunities to do that, especially in a non-political, non-religious way. <laughs> so to have this gathering place once a week, this community is everything and everyone is welcome. A community is so important and uh, it gives you the opportunity to deepen your roots to the city's present, to uh, become actively involved in uh, helping build the city's future, uh, but also develop a real appreciation for the city's past. And at the same time, uh, again, this word's non-political, at, at the same time, members are free to come in and share whatever they have going on in their life. And what they will find is that uh, there is this group of people and their networks who are quick to uh, step up to support in whatever matters to you. And it's, it's a really kind of uh, a beautiful wake-up call that uh, so easily people are driven apart by quote-unquote political differences. But when a friend needs something, that might not be a thing that I would vote for, <laughs> but if you as my friend need it, I'm there. And uh, that, it's a really powerful, heartening, uh, inspiring thing to witness. Especially in that we get all these speakers coming in who are involved in so many different aspects yeah. of the city. And so not only do you have the community, you get to learn about all these other communities and connect throughout the city. Yeah, I think what drew us to it was just like the sensibility and the sense of humor and all that, yeah. which there's... I, I can't think of many places other than this that are kind of like that. Have you been to the, what is it, the Old Town Music Hall it's in, in El Segundo? Uh, El Segundo. Mm. Oh, is that with the organist? Yeah. yeah. I haven't been there it's yet. Fantastic. I've heard of it. It's, it's uh, a similar sensibility, I think, to yeah. here. It's it's a lot of fun, but they, these are like the only two places I feel like in this city that... Yeah. Maybe the Bob Baker, too. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Which oh yeah, to. which is we have a huge representation from Bob Baker yeah. now. It's a huge crowd from there. We're linked forever. <laughs> but you are still the puppet master <laughs> pulling the string. I want to go to the El Segundo. Uh, what is it? Music hall? Yeah, the music hall. I want to go there because, as you know, I think it's so fascinating. El Segundo, which means right, the name of that town means the Segundo, and I think <laughs> <laughs> there's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> What's the most important thing here? The most important thing here is hidden deep <laughs> underground. Um, there's a map <laughs> with an X on it, and only Aaron holds the key. So I can't divulge what that is, but oh, it may or may it. not be the heart of friendship. <laughs> the god of friendship was slain and his, yes. his heart was buried. Yes, I mean, we, we do make a yearly sacrifice, which is coming up. Um, For friendship. In our, yes, in, in our underground lair. I, it's very, it's very difficult. It's very answer. difficult to put uh, put a finger on what is the most important thing. I, I would say that in, in interviewing Mm-hmm. members for for the the club's podcast the thing that comes through again and again is that it's the people for all of them you know what what brought them might have been a speaker might have been uh what they fell in love with might have been a ritual it might have been our old 35 millimeter slides that are <laughs> out of focus and askew but if you want to sing old songs yeah. you really need out of focus slides <laughs> to do it it, it might have been having their name mispronounced uh <laughs> repeatedly <favorite> <laughs> by uh, by our master of ceremonies but whatever it is that that brings you or that you fall in love with it's it's really the people that everybody keeps coming back for so to me i think the most important thing, if this is one thing, is to embrace the past of the Breakfast Club, the traditions of the Breakfast Club, to realize that nothing needs to be changed, that the opportunity is always in front of us to breathe new life into that history and those traditions, and that, uh, that that's what's really important, is how can I uniquely breathe new life into what doesn't need to be changed? What is your, your personal favorite thing here? The sing-alongs. Yeah. That is what sealed the deal for me <laughs> when I first came. The fact that they are projected from an actual 35-millimeter slide yeah. projector, these vintage song lyric slides which are adorable and the pianist don snyder who accompanies us that's kind of the bee's knees why does the name don snyder sound so familiar he's an international superstar does that might be it yeah (laughs) i might have a shirt of him yeah that might be it does he also play at the place in el segundo sometimes i don't know i feel like i've seen his name on their programs i think you're thinking of a baseball player a couple (laughs) i think he's not a baseball player but i think you're mixing a couple names up but that's fine too (laughs) thinking of don pardo did you ever see an abridged version of the music man performed on a cruise ship because if so (laughs) you very well may have seen don Snyder <laughs> playing Professor Harold Hill. He uh, has been uh, while doing the, his his work as the musical director of the Breakfast Club and the leader of the Don Snyder Orchestra. <laughs> he uh, has been uh, a renowned uh, cabaret performer and actor and 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 you know musical 
comedy performer for for decades. I heard this episode, or I heard him. You interview him for the episode now. As I listen to more episodes, like it's starting to build everyone as up as characters to me, and it's yes. a lot of fun. <laughs> They're not real to me. You're all characters. <laughs> <laughs> the Don Snyder. Character? Oh, what's my favorite thing? You know, my favorite thing is the 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 thing that I get to participate in less and less often because uh, I'm I'm dealing with other things. But it's the handshake line. Oh yeah, just the handshake line. I I wish that there was more opportunity to interact with everyone on a weekly basis. That's why I love that uh, there's been such an effort to put together Sunday night programs. Mm -hmm. Several times a year we do Encore Sundays where we bring some of the entertainers that visit the club to a nighttime audience for whom 7 a.m. on a Wednesday is just (laughs) too early. Although I don't know why they don't just do what I do, which is just stay up. (laughs) Just stay up, you know. Um, Sober up around five. (laughs) Roll on in. But um, And so I love that we're doing those. We also uh, have a lot of member-only tours this this coming week. Again, there's a member-only tour of the Frank Lloyd Wright Ennis House. We started the year with the director of the El Pueblo de Los Anales uh, Cultural Monument giving us a tour of all the museums and behind the scenes down there at uh, the, the Pueblo. So I love that we're getting to do all these things but the reason that I love it more than anything is because once a week with these people is not enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> so it gets back to wanting as much time as possible to savor with, with my friends. Uh, what would L.A. be like? With, without this place had it collapsed without you <laughs> what would la be i don't think it would be here anymore i think la would have <laughs> evaporated into thin air uh, i do think that this earthquake. is the linchpin of los angeles <laughs> you know i may i just may have saved the city <laughs> i don't know <laughs> we'll put that on record it would be a lot less fun i'll tell yeah, you that much definitely. and i would be it would it would house a very sad Lily Holloman, um, <laughs> if it weren't around. She'd still come every seven seven o'clock every Wednesday, just no friendship, <laughs> yeah, nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Just me, myself, and Phil. <laughs> I love that. Movie. How would Los Angeles be different? I get the feeling that Los Angeles might not even have Lily Holloman. I mean, I, I think, and and maybe and maybe me. I mean, I think because we talk about we love to travel, take road trips throughout uh this country, America, for my money, <laughs> still one of the top ten countries in the world, and it's up there. and uh, we we love it. We love you know we we love traveling everywhere, and, and and we fall in love with different places. And we do have the conversation of I wonder what it would be like to live in this place. And mm-hmm. but then after a few moments of silence, is always but the Breakfast Club. Yeah. <laughs> you know the Breakfast Club isn't here; it's in Los Angeles, yeah. and uh, it certainly would be different for us in that we might not be here. But uh, I don't know yet. I think it's still it would be very different. For certainly the members that are here, it would be very different for the the dozens of local charities that get help from the Breakfast Club each year, from the foundation, from the club's foundation. But I I don't know yet if the city itself would notice much (laughs) of a difference uh, because we're still emerging from being uh, perhaps Los Angeles's best-kept secret at this point. Mm. (laughs) Well, this little corner of Los Angeles would be dampened because one of the things that I realized, we've done a couple of Wednesday mornings off-site at various restaurants, and then we go on a tour, and I always feel like I have failed in some way when that happens because I personally have this feel that the responsibility is 
to activate this magical bubble that happens every Wednesday from <laughs> 7 to 9 at this specific yeah. location, interacting with the history that took place here. And there is something indescribable that happens that I don't even know what the ripples are across time <laughs> and space, but it feels extraterrestrial and it feels important. And to dovetail, whatever that means, off of what <laughs> Phil said, it has personally given me a feeling that Los Angeles is home. It, it, it creates a home for me. And I know it's hard for a lot of people to feel like L.A. is home. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it probably felt that same way for back in the 30s and 40s for people also. So who knows if... Yeah. The city if, of transplants, so I If Charlie Chaplin has decided to just quit, who knows what... I, know, I mean, really, in order to get to make me seem even more crazy than I am, <laughs> the <laughs> pull, <all> <laughs> the pull to save it, I really believe it is far beyond my grasp. I do believe that there are spirits that founded this club, that still inhabit this land, that um, really insisted, that really called me here. I just found a picture of Red Skelton performing at the club wow. in the back of SAG After magazine. <laughs> I noticed that it was in Los Feliz. I looked it up. There was one tiny little website with very little information. But the pull for me to come here was so indescribably large mm -hmm. that it had to have other deeper implications <laughs> yeah drawing me here i think it speaks to the importance of storytelling as a, a way of protecting and preserving our cultural heritage for future generations to be able to draw inspiration and consolation and information from and i i mean i know i'm preaching to the choir because this is what you do with your show but so much of history gets lost and uh, I made a documentary about consciousness and conspiracy called The Truth is Out There. And, and so much of knowledge getting lost gets uh, ascribed to being the result of intentional knowledge filtering, mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, paradigms at play where dark boardrooms of people <laughs> are meeting and saying, OK, we've got to wipe this out of the history books <laughs> so that people can't know about this. And... Maybe that happens. I don't know. But I do know firsthand from my experience with The Breakfast Club that a club that could have 500 members as recently as the 1970s could become not only forgotten, but so much of its history, a history that includes the most important people in this city, mm -hmm. so much of its history could be lost. And why does that happen? Because people look at each other in this packed auditorium and say, hey, should we be preserving this? <laughs> no, look around. Who's going to forget this? <laughs> Cut to yeah. nine people are left. Yeah. Preserving and documenting and sharing and in some cases repeating, repeating, repeating <laughs> stories is really important because yeah. it's what keeps history alive, but it keeps history alive with a, a, a very unique tone. And that's something that storytellers understand is that if you don't think in terms of the impact you're having in terms of time, like, I want to have that impact right now. But if you focus on the tone of the story you're telling, then 
the story you're telling has a chance to ambiate across the ages yeah. and preserve what you loved that inspired you to tell that story in the yeah. first place. Did that make sense, what I just said? I hope <laughs> no. so. You <laughs> edit it to make sense. It's be four words at the end of it. That is, this, that is the speech that gets uh, L.A. Meekly nominated <laughs> yeah. for a Best Editing Award. Nobel Peace Prize. At next the year's Potty Awards. For the first podcast to win an Oscar. <laughs> What's the strangest thing that's ever happened here? The strangest thing. Okay. Tom LaBanche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Period. <laughs> we can't speak to all the years we didn't know, but I think the fact that strange things happen often enough, even on our watch, lets us know that probably it's a, it's yeah. a history replete with strange things. Yeah. I think Tom LaBanche dropping in <laughs> to basically correct a presenter... <laughs> On almost every fact. I won't talk about what the presentation was. Uh, but he just came in because, as he said to me, he, he's retired now. He was a longtime councilman for this district. Uh, we're now ably res- represented by David Ryu, uh, who has spoken to the club and is a great friend to the club. But uh, Tom LeBanche let me know that his wife said, I said, Tom, why are you here? He goes, my wife said, if I don't start getting out of the house, she's going to leave me. <laughs> um, so he came and he could not sit still and pretty soon he just hijacked the presentation and we were all glad that he did because he is one of these guys that has forgotten more about the history of certainly this area and this city than most of us will ever learn right and then apropos of the presentation being given he let us know that he has keys to all the private gates on the walkways along the LA River do we want to go for a tour along the LA River a walking tour and everyone's going yeah when he goes look right now right now so it became Came a field trip oh, afterwards yeah, along the river. So that's strange and delightful. <laughs> he carries um, the keys with him everywhere? Yeah. Uh, I think... Uh, well, you don't want him to fall into the wrong hands. Um, we have a member uh, named Kevin Jordan who goes nowhere without his uh, dog, Capra. And I'm not casting aspersions. I brought my cat. But uh, we don't know if he's ever going to show up. We only know if he does... He's going to be late, and he's liable to be dressed as a horse, as a gorilla, as the Grim Reaper. We don't know a really scary, dirty Santa Claus. My favorite. Yeah. Uh, so that's always strange and, and in a way uh, delightful. But, uh, I mean, Lily said, there each and every week there is something straight out of a deep transcendental meditation of david lynch (laughs) that manifests in this club Mm -hmm. well what would you say is uh the best kept secret here the best kept secret within the club or the club in general being a best kept secret i was kind of thinking because not yeah like the place itself is kind of the la's best kept secret yeah is there is there anything sub secrets yeah sub secrets of the secrets (laughs) secrets of the secrets they're in out back there is. We have our own personal Grauman's Chinese footprints and signatures in this really mysterious fenced-off area. There are footprints and handprints and signatures from the 1930s. Wow, really? That we really don't know anything about, <laughs> and it's it's a Breakfast Club mystery. And we're here to solve it. <laughs> I think gonna, so. <laughs> we're gonna take them all like Lucy. <laughs> What's the best time to come here? The best time, the only time to come here is between 6:45 a.m. and 7:10 a.m. 
that is when we encourage you to arrive. Latecomers are welcome, but slightly we'll be frowned upon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's not exactly the definition of welcome. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, um, but we don't like you. No, I just don't recommend anybody coming later than 7.15 because, as you know, you'll miss so much of the magic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that is the time to come on Wednesday mornings. Any Wednesday morning except for the last two of the year. So, okay. yeah. What do you... you you want me to add to that? I have no <laughs> Say no. it again. <laughs> Where should you park to come here? There is free parking, ample free a lot parking. Of free parking. Mm-hmm. It's pretty nice. What's the best place to eat here? <laughs> <laughs> These questions aren't tailored to each place we visit. Um, we the best it. place to eat here is at the buffet. <laughs> yeah. What were you going to say? At the dais table. Because it means you are either our chaplain, Mm. a member of the board, the speaker, a chairman of the day, or our master of ceremonies. Which means in order to get to sit at the dais table, your best bet is to become a member of the breakfast club. So come, fall in love with it, ask for an application, and become a member. And the food is delicious. We have a caterer. Her name's Gail Connell. And she has a company called Gourmet A Go Go. I love that name. And we... She's so steadfast and come. She's just, it's delicious. And she's been devoted to us since the beginning. We're very lucky. Well, that's all we've got. Yeah. Thank you. Thank this you very much for having us yeah. again. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, we are two very shy boys. So people coming up and approaching us to introduce themselves is great. We really appreciate <laughs> it. Know, the club is fantastic. Yeah. And when we started doing these interview things, this was top of our list. Yeah. Like, we want to go here to do this. So thanks for yeah. letting us. Well, <laughs> thank you. We are fans of your show. And thank you for coming and please come back we definitely will yeah for sure yeah <laughs> just casually you don't have to have microphones <laughs> oh, we don't go anywhere <laughs> without yeah, i don't know how to <laughs> not <laughs> well you you're welcome either way oh thank Perfect. you thank you mm-hmm. thanks quite please we have a remarkable morning before us and we ask your hearty cooperation i'm young and healthy and you have charms It would really be a sin not to have you in my arms. I'm quite pleased. One of the regular fellows of the Breakfast Club and the vice president of the Breakfast Club, the man whom we all like, Ivan D. Parker has as his personal guest a famous MGM star and his wife. At this time, we delight in presenting Mr. Clark Gable and his charming wife, Mrs. Gable. I had to come to the breakfast club this morning to be called a ham. This isn't the first time, (laughs) but everybody seems to have the lowdown on me now, so I give up. Now at this time, it is my delight and honor and privilege in your behalf to present to you His Excellency James Roth, Jr., the governor of the great state of California. Mr. Chairman, fellow members of the Los Angeles Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club has added to its name and to its fame by being host this morning to the Honorable Secretary of War and to the governors of the states of the Union who have come to California to hold their 25th annual conference. And ladies and gentlemen, that concludes our broadcast of the Breakfast Club for this morning.
Brought to you over KFWB, Warner Brothers Motion Picture Studios in Hollywood, California. (laughs) 